Blog Talk Radio. show and the Eastern Airline Radio Show are live now with the episode of Airline Talk News and History, and we call it the Airline Radio Hour, bringing you stories from here and there and one airline to another with live conversation. Uh, my name is Neil Holland. I'm a retired captain with Eastern Airlines and producer of the show, and if you're listening to the show on the website, well, you found blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie. That's C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E, Captain Eddie. And if you'd like to make a call to the show while you're listening, 
Uh, just uh, dial area code 213-816-1611, and you'll be able to talk with our host and other guests, uh, and you'd be able to add your memories uh, to the show. Uh, I'll see your number on the, my producer's board and ask you'd like to join conversation. And uh, you're talking live to 50 countries, over 50 countries around the world. Yeah, over 50 countries around the world are listening in. Uh, not all at one time, of course, but uh, different times. There are different time zones around the earth. So don't know exactly what time uh, China is listening to us or Egypt or South Africa. But at any rate, uh, we found that... Uh, there are over 50 countries that have listened to our show and listened to it pretty regularly. Several of them do. Uh, that's because our antenna is pretty high. It's 22,000 miles above the earth. Now, let me repeat the number or give you the number for uh, our show to call in. Uh, that's 213-816-1611. 213-816-1611. One six one one. Love to hear from you. Call us now. Uh, now the song that you heard, uh, sung by Gordon Lightfoot, he wrote and sang that song back in 1964, was when it was written. However, it was not released until 1966. Uh, Gordon passed away just a few days ago, May third. Uh, or correction, May first. He passed away May 1st at uh, the good old age of 84 years old. You know, some of the other songs that uh, he has played, and I was reminded of this one especially. I've got to listen to it because I can't recall me ever hearing it. The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. So I'm going to play that probably sometime this afternoon. And he also wrote and sang Sundown. Passed away in Toronto, Canada. Uh, and uh, at 7.30 p.m. of natural, of not natural, but you know, it says natural causes uh, here uh, that he passed away with. So uh, his talents will be missed greatly and his songs also. But uh, we'll always have his songs available. Uh, I want to ask our host right now, if either one of you have listened or fans of Gordon Lightfoot. I've got Jim Holder on the line. He called in first, so hello, Jim. Hello, hello, hello. And Peter, Paul, and Mary made it very famous. Yeah. You know, I was telling Jim Harris, who's standing by right now, that uh, I I listened to other versions of that song, and a lot of folks sang it. I think John Denver sang it. And um, mm -hmm. I don't know, Willie Nelson probably sang it too, but uh, I I think there were other voices singing that song that I liked uh, better than Gordon Lightfoot, but uh, quite a songwriter. Well, Peter, How about Paul you, and Jim Mary, Harris? I... Yeah, J Peter, Paul, and Mary did sing it, yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Jim Harris, you told me about, I think you were the one that told me about the wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yes, that's true. And yeah, this is an interesting, yeah. Uh, we, we was on the way to the airport one day uh, in the morning, Detroit, and, the, and that song came on the radio. I said, I like the song. And the guy driving said, not if you've ever been on an ore boat. On an ore boat. So, yep. So, yep, that thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, an it, ore uh, boat? It sank in, like yeah, ore boat. Yeah, it was hauling iron ore. Iron ore? Mm -hmm. Iron ore, yeah. yeah. Well, tell us mm. about the significance of an ore boat. Well, that's not much except they put so much weight on the thing. It weighs many more. The the, the uh, cargo weighs many more times than the boat does itself. Okay. And so, this one, this particular one, I think it was in some very rough weather, and they left the hatch open, and it started filling up with water. Oh. Now, yep, that boat sank. was called the Edmund Fitzgerald? That was the name of the boat. Okay. Wow. I've heard we'll the story. Yes. Yeah. Well, Definitely. I'm gonna have to listen and, to that. Yeah. And 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 Lightfoot and Lightfoot, I like the way he 
his version of the song itself. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, at any rate, we'll miss his talents and uh, all these singers that we enjoyed listening to back in the day. They're all uh, our age or older. So, uh, and like our colleagues, all the ones that we used to fly with, have, especially the captains, have uh, since passed away, flown west, as we call it, in aviation. And uh, to, we, with their songs are certainly remembered. Okay, Jim Holder, what's going on in your backyard? What's happening right now? Go take a look out the window. Uh, my little new baby kit or dog is back there running around trying to find a way to get out underneath the fence. That's uh, they, She's a little miniature schnauzer, and the dog never stops barking. I'll tell you. And it's just, oh, but, but I love her big. I love her. She's six months old. We got to go well, you, take her to the doctor uh, next week, and she won't be a mother ever. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Making sure of yeah. that, huh? Okay. Yeah, All right. right. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, weather okay in Atlanta because uh, you're not too far north of us. Yeah, it's uh, cloudy, but it, we had a lot of little rain, but it's a mild, mild, uh, nice mild day, and my wife's outside doing push work or something, banging around with hedge clippers. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, well, uh, my wife used to do all the heavy work too, but now she can't, of course. But uh, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah. I'm letting her take a rest. Yeah. And, uh, but uh, how about you, Jim Harris? What's going on? Both of these guys are captains, of course. Uh, once a captain, always a captain. Retired or active? Always, right, guys? always, always. Ab- absolutely, very proud of that too. And what do they say? Mm-hmm. Never too fast, never too slow. <laughs> mm. yeah. I never too high, never think. too low. Yeah, that's the rest mm. of it. Well, I found out Just remember. what my wife says. Uh, it might have been airline captain, but we ain't captain of everything in the house. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I learned to keep my mouth shut about that. Yeah. How about you, Jim Harris? What's happening in <coughs> Dripping Springs, my favorite well, Texas it's another, town? It's another wonderful day here. It's a pleasant 85 degrees. i got a clear blue sky, a little bit of breeze. It's another lovely day here. I'm uh, I'm due west of Austin, Texas, about 15 miles. Okay. The good news you can... is i got I got 22 acres on a hill on a dead-end road. <laughs> so I like that part. Well... Houston, I mean, uh, Austin Nights, you can hear the music all the way to your house, can't you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. I try to stay out of Austin, though. It, it's, uh, I'm not uh, overly fond of Austin. I've never been to Austin. I have never been to the Texas State Capitol. Huh. I think that's the well, Capitol, Well, I don't think you – yeah, it is. It's the Capitol, Texas. Okay. It's all right. I'm just trying to stay out. It's too busy to suit me. Yeah, it gets busy yeah. enough around Dripping Springs sometime. <laughs> Four thirty in the afternoon, never let the school out. Oh, it's a mess right then. <laughs> you see, the bad news—the bad news is from living here. There's two main roads, Highway 12 and Highway 290 West, and they both go through. You you can't go anywhere without going through the same intersection. So it's always busy. Does <laughs> <laughs> that a stoplight? Yes. Whenever I whenever I moved here in '97, uh, just before that, just been a caution light. Whenever I moved here, uh, we had a red light, a Mexican restaurant, and a post office. Oh wow! And I liked it that way. But we've been discovered now, so it's uh, probably I think the fastest growing city in the state. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I don't like that part, but guess what? Not much I can do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Unfortunately, you can yell and scream and yep. holler and kick, but ain't much you can <laughs> do about it. <laughs> not a great, ain't not a great deal. All you're going to do is hurt your foot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, at any rate, uh, uh, just a reminder, folks, we do have another show uh, on Monday nights, 
and some good stories are told. They're all Eastern stories. So if you're not an Eastern employee, uh, you might not be interested, but uh, I think you will find the characters in these stories. Uh, uh, they are they are characters and they're wonderful stories that are recalled from different publications. And it's not a call-in show. As a reminder, it's not a call-in show. It's just a, a podcast which has been pre-recorded. We splice in between each story uh, a little uh, music uh, that uh, was uh, uh, Eastern, usually an Eastern advertisement. So it's uh, it's good listening. So if you don't have anything to do after you eat dinner uh, on Monday night at eight o'clock, tune us in. And still, if you if you missed the show, you can go to it at any time by going to Blog Talk Radio blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie, C-A-P-T-E-D-D-I-E. We're at episode 11 now, I think, uh, this Monday, and um, you can pick up any of the past episodes, listen to them, and turn them off whenever you want to, whenever you've had enough, or go to the next uh uh, the next archive episode and listen to that. Uh, it's kind of fun to listen to some of these stories. They're really good stories. Uh, we've had some stories by Captain Jim uh, Holder, and I wish Captain Jim Harris would write a story or two so we can get it in there. I'll see if I can remember something like that. Well, hell, just write about Dripping Springs, Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, I could do that. Right about New Orleans and all those orchards we used to eat there, Jim. There oh, you go. My hey. layovers. You guys flew hey. together, didn't you? Yes. Yeah, yes. quite a bit. Lots of the times, quite a bit. Yeah. Hey, Jim, wow. that that really was. It was just a few hour layover, but you and I, as soon as we got in, we'd go to the hotel room, uh, take our epaulets off and the tie, and go out and catch a bus and go downtown, and go to Felix's and get a dozen mixed. Ooh, yeah, we had a couple of wow. We stayed downtown too, Jim. I remember staying. Yeah, downtown oh yeah, many many times. Oh yes, yes. Yeah. Did oh, you, you're right. Did you did you ever get to stay a uh, layover on Mardi Gras Day? Not I. Have, I. Yeah. Uh, I, did I did with uh, Justin Griner of all people. <laughs> you got a oh, lady character. <laughs> <laughs> you had a good layover without without it being Mardi Gras. I tell you, that was some layover. I tell you, yeah. Yeah, well, that's yeah, good. I enjoyed I, flying with him. Yeah. Now, you guys were seat swapping, weren't you, back in the day? No, that stopped January 1st, 69. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jim Harris never did seat swap. Oh, you didn't? How'd you manage it? I did oh, not. How'd you manage that? Yeah. I, I just, you, I just, you, you put captain guess. on the 7 through 7, didn't you? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. But well, I don't remember yep. swapping seats. Maybe we did. I don't know. Well, you know, I never somebody, did. somebody listening to us over in Egypt, which we just had somebody <laughs> yeah. sign in, would you please somebody describe what seat swapping was all about? I will give it a hit, a try. Seat swapping came about as a result of flight engineer strike in 61, 62. This is before Ben, Jim, and you hired on with Easton. And yeah. they... They they had to keep their fleet flying. They had captains flying in the left seat where he was. They had a captain in the right seat, and they had a captain at the engineer's panel. Not on all flights, but many of them. But they finally got all the airplanes going, and 727 showed up, and they had the DC-8 was a jet. And they said that on the jets, uh, and I cannot really go into why. I'm not sure I knew the whole story, but they had, guys that were qualified in the first officer seat and the second officer seat, or flight engineers, we wanted to call them. And they could swap seats at the captain's just, uh, authority if he wanted to. And guys did. You know, you'd alternate. Uh, one day, you'd the first officer with the crew. Next day, with the same crew, that you'd be the flight engineer or second officer. And it all stopped, though, on January the 1st, 1969, because of a variety of reasons. And there was no more seat swapping at Eastern after that. If you were a first officer, you stayed in the right seat the whole sequence, the whole trip. And then second officer did the same thing in the flight engineer's seat. 
and and there was no difference in pay as as far as the seat stuffing guys. That's correct. That's correct. Not none. No difference in pay. Yeah. Well, let's see, Jim Harris. How in the world did you manage to stay away from seat swapping? I guess I was on the Electra flight oh. engineer for two years, and there was and no that seat was swapping there. Yet. No, that's right. No seat swapping. Yeah. No. Just as yet. Well, well, it came about really because when the jets came out, they said, "Well, this is such a." I uh, think this is my way of thinking about the mind of the FAA. Uh, is that they decided that that airplane was just too complicated for three people, normal people, to fly. They all had to be pilots. They couldn't be uh, mechanics as a flight engineer. That mechanic had to have a pilot's license or pilot certificate. And so when that happened, they said that, well, since everybody in the cockpit have got pilot certificates, we're going to allow these guys to seat swap back and mm-hmm. forth. And again, you told about the uh, the airplanes coming online and so forth after the strike, and so uh, that had something to do with it. But the FAA then decided that everybody in a jet airplane, not a not a prop jet now, it didn't apply to prop jets. It just plain straight pure turbojet aircraft. Uh, they right. had to have a pilot certificate. I trained many of those guys with Eastern, the flight engineers. Mm-hmm. I had one of the first. I had the first contract when I was a chief flight instructor out at uh, Opelika, and we got the contract to train all of the engineers who came back uh, when, at that time, uh, it was uh, – What's his name? Uh, the president of Eastern. I can't even think of his name after Rickenbacker. McIntyre. McIntyre. Mm-hmm. McIntyre decided that we was going to call everybody back that wanted to come back flight engineer-wise, but they had to become pilots. So we contracted uh, Tercer, myself, and the vice president went over and uh, and presented our program for the flight the first crop of flight engineers. And we got uh, 25 of those engineers that came back when McIntyre asked them and told them that they would be uh, trained and it would be paid for by Eastern. So we trained all those guys, great guys, some of the super, super guys. Um, Earl Howe was the, the number one. No, uh, Bill, uh, Ed Graham was number one engineer, period. He was the first engineer Eastern ever hired was Ed Graham as a flight engineer, excuse me. First flight on the engineer. props. Yeah. <clears throat> yep, he was the very first one on the props, you're right. Mm-hmm. And that was on the Connie. I think those are the first uh, required engineer airplanes that we had yeah. was the 049. Seven yeah, came on later. Yeah. They had yeah. That. You yeah. know what? I, somebody could explain to me, though, why the Electra? It's a jet, but it's got props. And if you were flying the engineer position, you were a you are a not a co or you were not a flight engineer. You are a, a I've forgotten exactly what it was, but it didn't make sense. And you didn't swap seats either, but it was a prop. No, did not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, now, yeah, but, Jim uh, Harris what, probably what the captain would allow you to sit in the right seat every once in a while to get a landing or two. Right, because Never. sometimes they let you. Sometimes they let you sit in a left seat. <laughs> yeah. I never, I well, never you, made a landing in the Electra. Uh, they, well, they, they didn't, you see, the captains I was they didn't do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, all of the captains on that airplane, well, they were fairly junior. Yeah. Uh huh. Come off so yeah, the senior so guys they, on the jets. Yes. Yeah. 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 But that that was a yeah. good airplane. Flew great. Oh, it was yeah. a great airplane. I love yeah. it. You know. I forgot who it was. I think uh, it, it uh, uh, Kurt Whaley was the first officer, and Hassan Calloway was the uh, captain. And uh, uh, Kurt got up, uh, and Hassan says, "Neil, why don't you come up here and fly the airplane a little bit?" <laughs> you know how Hassan was. And so I got in the right seat. Boy, I tell you, I felt like a king for a day. Uh, yeah, you were. Kurt was, yeah, Kurt was sitting back there not knowing what to do as a second officer. <laughs> well, you didn't do much at all. You know, You're right. 
<laughs> well, I had a at TV's the other night. I had a guy came up and showed me a picture of an Electra, uh, color picture, and he, he I don't know why he carried it around with him. He was a Delta guy, and it, he was aircraft number five thirty one. And he said, "You ever fly this airplane?" And I said, "Yes, I flew every Electra that Eastern had. I think we had a forty of them. One lost one." And uh, and I we came back and checked my logbook, and I had eight eight hundred and fifty seven hours on the electric engineer, and I'd all the way through my logbook and hadn't had five thirty one yet, and I was so disappointed. But then <laughs> I did. I flew it five times, and the last two was when I was coming to Atlanta, and I was on layovers in Atlanta, and I flew that trip so I could look for a house to play with a layover there. And uh, but I'm going to tell the show, and, and I, I wish I would. Why he wanted it? Somebody got it, got married, and they went on a honeymoon or something. I don't know some story, but I found the airplane for him. Well, let me ask. Now, that was of a you. wonderful story, wasn't it? Yeah. Did you ever, either one of you, ever fly the Electra with uh, Bill Abraham as the captain? Not I. I didn't either. Not that I remember. Well, I you know, seven twenty-seven with him. And, Jim, I think you called me out on this on one of our previous radio shows a couple of years ago, and I made a mistake, and I admitted it. I make one every once in a while. In every decade, I guess, there's one or two mistakes I make. Not often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not often. But at any rate, I think I said that uh, there was such a thing as a Birmingham switch on that Electra. It was called the Birmingham circuit breaker, I think, or switch. I forgot which one it was. Mm-hmm. It was because that Bill Abraham going into Birmingham, Alabama, had forgot to put the gear down. <laughs> oh, no. You remember that story? No. I think it, I heard it, the story, but I don't know if I believe it or not. Well, it was probably from me. Not Bill Abraham. Not Bill Abraham. <laughs> no, and, and oh, well, they, they landed with the gear down. But uh, they almost they almost uh, barely landed that airplane because they had pulled the circuit breaker for the uh, gear warning. They did. Well, yeah. Did somebody had done it there. For the gear right now. I don't know why they did pull the circuit breaker for it. Mm-hmm. But every once, uh, ever so often, I heard the term, the Birmingham switch. And, you know, the silence. Yeah, I think it was a nuisance. Every time you pulled the power back and the gear wasn't down, it was hollering at you. Uh huh. Okay, yeah, that was some good reason. Yeah, that was one of the reasons. Bill Brown's one of the guys you really wanted to fly with. He was a great oh, guy God, to fly yeah. with. If you could hear him talk. <laughs> yeah. He talked in such a low voice. You had to yeah, get over there. Yeah, I know it. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you, I got a quick story about Bill Abraham. In Miami, for some reason, he wanted to get a haircut. And I went out to the airplane, and, you know, I'm getting it ready and everything, and Bill Abraham ain't here, he ain't, ain't here. And they said, God almighty, we got a trip. We're going to Atlanta or someplace in Miami. And he comes running in the cockpit real quick, and I'm still trying to do the cockpit stuff, and sits down, and you knew how you had to uh, trim. And I hit yeah. the trim button, and his knee went over, oh. and it hit him. He jarred him all the way to the top of his head. And I said, oh, my God, I've just killed the captain. You know, what am I going to do? And he just and he just stared straight ahead, and I'm sitting there quivering in my seat. And he looked over at me, and he didn't say anything, and he said, that hurts. <laughs> I'll never forget it. And he never mentioned yeah, it that, again. That thing could hurt you. It yeah. could. It, it, you, you never wanted to check the trim and just run it through the forward and back the other way. And and yeah. it hit him. He had his knee sort of spread out a little bit. Ooh, so so wow. it hit him. Ooh, oh, oh, oh. I'll yeah. tell you. He said that well, hurt. <laughs> I, I tell you, he had one of the one of the greatest flight attendants as a wife that Eastern had, Pat Case. And, oh, absolutely. And, yeah, yep, and they... They never let on they were married because of the rules, but then even after the mm-hmm. rules were done away with, they still didn't. <laughs> you know, she died uh, early, you know, and, uh, and then another a friend of his uh, died, Eastern Pilot, and and Bill and uh, this lady, you know, they they were both in their 70s, I guess, and they yeah. they became a, they'd come to the Reaper conventions, and but yeah. the, she really took good care of old Bill. Yeah. I forgot he was her, a, her husband's name. 
and Bill Abraham's favorite, uh, his best friend, I don't know if you guys knew it, but the two of them were real, real close friends, was Jim Shannon. Oh, yeah. J.D. J.D. Shannon. Yeah, I know him. J.D. Yeah, Jim. Right. And, and I flew with him, too. Yeah. They live close, almost across the street from each other on the lake. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but they were real good friends. As a matter of fact, uh, that's the first time I ever went up to Lake Lanier's when Jim Shannon told me, he said, well, you'll find the keys under the rug, and I'm not mm-hmm. using it this weekend. Go on up there and have fun. <laughs> that's the kind of guy he was. Gentleman, another Jim, great guy to call with. Yeah. yeah, he taught me how to drink martinis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take much. Like when you did need any training, right? Yeah, no, you know, I was I was uh, brand new. We were on a conveyor. He was flying captain on a conveyor, and I I was new on the airplane. We had a layover in Corpus Christi, and he says, "I'll see you in my room." And he told the flight attendant, of course, there's only one flight attendant, I'll see you guys in my room in about a half hour. So both mm-hmm. of us showed up, the flight attendant and myself. He had his uh, suitcase. On one side was his clothes, and the other side was a bar. <laughs> <laughs> and that bar had up martini glasses. I mean, you were the stems. Yeah. <laughs> he had them some in, somehow or another. He had them cushioned in there that they didn't break. And he had olives. He had everything. That's where I first started started drinking martinis mm-hmm. on that flight. And uh, okay, very good, very good talk, guys. That's what this thing is all about. We, I got a few we questions some, I want to ask. Uh, we we had some really interesting characters to work with. Well, well, that was mm-hmm. that's going to be my, my next my first question here. Who was your favorite captain, Jim Harris? Since you mentioned it, that you flew with. I know there were so many of them because Eastern was that yeah, kind of Yeah, well, I enjoyed line. Justin Griner, uh, Russ Moggins. Paul, a smooth mouth Paul Edmonston. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Old Paul, yeah. yeah. Old smooth oh, he looked, Yeah. What a character. Yeah, he, Old Paul. Paul lived he, up the lake somewhere, I think. Yeah, he, he did. He was out, on a, he's out on a medical. And he thought yeah. he was having a heart attack. And uh, I think I had just flown the month with him. And he thought he was having a heart attack. So he jumps in his car and drives all the way down to Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> town on the south oh, yeah. side of Atlanta had a hospital and checks himself in. And they say, well, why did you do all this? You are having a heart attack, Captain. And he said, well, my ex-wife lives down here, and my son lives down here, and I didn't want them having to drive all the way to Gainesville. <laughs> and, I, and he meant it. I mean, that's exactly what he did. You know, he did that. And uh, I went to see him about the third time I went to see him. He said, I'm not going to be able to come back. You know, I know it. I'm, you know, he was in his late 50s. He said, I know I'm done. Can you find out what uh, what I can get in the way of money for retirement? <laughs> what needs to be done and all that? Because I had been the co-pilot rep, and I might might even been the captain rep then. I don't know. So I I made about a four-page uh, packet for him and called headquarters, uh, Alpha headquarters, talked to Eastern, and I told him this is what you're gonna have. This is it, and and I took it over there to him, and and he was looking at it and just. Very appreciative of me doing that for him, yeah. and he was right. He never flew again. He ended up well, having. He, uh, he was one of the. He was one of the neatest problem. people in the entire world. He, I really. Well, you know, he, when you said neat, he was well groomed. He always stayed that way. Yeah. And, right. Uh, mm-hmm. Just a, you know, just a picture of a captain, an airline captain. He mm-hmm. was. He, right. he he was a professional baseball player before Eastern Airlines. I think I remember yeah, right. he played baseball. Yeah. Yep, he did. I went, yeah. I, I went down there to see him. It was, uh, I can't think of a little town just south of the airport. But I went down there, and I went in with some magazines. He wanted me to bring him Playboy and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and I went in there, and his bed was empty. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, did he die, you know? And I went out, and I looked at the hall and looked both ways. And, you know, he's supposed to be in there. Couldn't I get uh I said he's probably sneaking out somewhere to have a cigarette or something. I don't know. But uh, I went down. I was looking for a nurse or something to say the captain is gone. And uh, I looked up, and there it was down there, some talking to some lady. 
uh, <laughs> figures. <laughs> he saw walk by, and he's got his little rod, you know, his little metal stand with his oxygen tank on it, and he's wearing his behind him sticking out thing, you know, one of those. And he said he saw that lady walk by, and she was pretty, so he chased her down. <laughs> I don't know if that's a true story, but he was sitting there talking. He was standing there talking to that good-looking woman. And I suspect it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I bet you it's true. Yeah, it's probably true. I yeah. used to I used to have a house up on the lake, and I was way down at Ball Ridge Marina, and he was way over there on the uh, Gainesville side. And uh, he used to uh, I used to ride over there and and uh, have a few drinks with him. And one time we had several drinks too many, and and I decided I was going to drive home. Well, it was about 1 o'clock in the morning on Lake Lanier, and I had no idea how to get back to my house in the dark uh, mm-hmm. because there are islands all around Lake Lanier, you know. And you go down the mm-hmm. one one, and, and you, you, you wind up in the dead-end cove. And so it took mm-hmm. me forever to finally find my house. But uh, he was a great, great guy. I, I really enjoyed him. Mm-hmm. I played with him a lot. Yeah. Well, you know who my favorite captain was. Well, who's that? I've talked about him many times. Hanson Calloway. Oh, I, I flew with Hanson Calloway more than any other captain, by far, yeah. by far, mostly to L.A. Well, and, uh, I would have three of them. Hanson would be one, Gib Guerin would be one, and Bill Malone would be the other. Those were the three guys that I really enjoyed flying with. Well, I enjoyed flying with Bill, but he got on my nerves sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah. know, I thought he was towers, the funniest guy I've ever seen flying an airplane. He had a wristwatch on both hands and setting yeah. clocks and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd, like time. You, I'd fly to Seattle, and Bill would call two or three airplanes. Hey, it's Casper Tower. Are y'all down there tonight? You know, and this is <laughs> Bill Malone, Captain. Yeah, we, hey, Bill, how you doing? You know, <laughs> and then the. But, you're going to go 200 miles, and he'd call some other tower. This is like yeah, 1 o'clock yeah. in the morning, you know. Oh, yeah. boy. We had some characters. We had some Okay. Characters. Well, let me move on to my next question. Now, I don't know whether either one of you guys wear tattoos. Not me. Jim, Jim Harris. Captain Harris doesn't. Okay. I don't either. So here's three guys talking to each other right now that have no other markings than whatever – uh, we have stitches, or we have tattoos for. Uh, hey, we, we have no yard art on our bodies. There you go. We have no ink uh, on our bodies. Okay. Now here's here's here. Let me pose this question: If you decided that you were going to get a tattoo, you got too much to drink or whatever, but you decided you were going to get a tattoo. And you decided that that tattoo was going to be a picture of an airplane. Which airplane would you tattoo your body, and where would you put that tattoo? Now, what a 727, kind of course. <laughs> 727, right. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, where'd you, where would Am you I put Am I an it? old man when I do this, or am I a young kid? Yeah, yeah, right <laughs> young now. Young captain. Just... Yeah. <laughs> it depends on how old I am. <laughs> Well, you're 80-some you're years old right now, but where would you put one right now if you went to the tat parlor? <laughs> oh, golly. <laughs> right in the middle of my chest, how's that? I don't know. 727, right in the middle. You could wiggle your 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 breast parts there and make that airplane wing <laughs> move around. I could do a wing over. <laughs> Man, what did you come up with that question? Where would you the put the best airplane in the sky? <laughs> Chest. Get a big okay. one. Yeah, okay. Yeah, big one. Yeah. yeah. I was proud okay. of that airplane. I, I thought that would be a funny question to ask. And now, okay, here's another one. What was your favorite meal? That uh, crew meal that was served by Easter that you really enjoyed eating. Uh, what what was what was your choice if if you had Steak, chicken, fish, or whatever. What was your favorite choice of meal? Depends on where I was good. going. If I was going to L.A., it would be the L.A. The 727 first-class meals were good yeah, back that, then, and that's that what they served the Oh, yeah. The, oh, the, the first-class meals, when I had some left over, uh, was excellent. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, well mine the was always pretty good too. Mexico City breakfast from Mexico City back to Atlanta. They served oh, that the was best good too. Breakfast I could ever eat. Ah, mm-hmm. pineapple. Oh, that was all way good. Fruit. Oh, wonderful. Yep, it was. It was. Yeah. Now, yeah. here's another one. What distinguished your flight bag in the bag room in Atlanta? How could you pick out your flight bag from others? There must have been several hundred flight bags in that flight bag room down there. Well, pretty quick on, I got a I got an attache case for my flight kit. Okay. It was made out of fiberglass. Okay. And uh, it worked out good enough. I could get everything in there. Did you have any decals on it? I don't think I had a thing on it. Oh. Don't remember if I did. How about you, Jim Holder? Well, I had a great big University of Southern or Mississippi Southern College. It later became the University of Southern Mississippi, but it was Mississippi Southern College. It was a big yellow thing on the, and I had one on both sides. And you've heard the story I think I told recently about the guy that got me on the, that I let him ride the jump seats when we first yeah. opened the jump seats up. And he later got, saw me in Chicago when I was trying to get to Atlanta one night. And he saw that he had gone to Mississippi Southern too, and I didn't know it when he first flew with me, you know, years earlier. And he came over and said, "I went to Mississippi Southern, well, University of Southern Mississippi, but I was Mississippi Southern when I was there." And I looked up, and he and I said, uh, "He was a co-pilot for American." And he said, "Do you remember flying to Washington D.C. and you wanted to ride a jump seat and you had never been on a jet airplane and all that?" And he said, "Yeah, and you were the captain." And uh, but he saw all the way across the gate area, saw that Mississippi Southern thing on my bag, and came over. And it, it turned out we knew each other. What kind of odds do you have there? Well, my flight it's a, bag. It's a small world there. sometimes. Yeah, my yeah. flight bag was leather, and you know your typical leather flight bag, and uh, mm-hmm. but it had a hard top on it, not the soft top, but flapped over, uh, the military mm-hmm. type. But mine was black, and I had on both ends of that flight bag, and I think I've told this a million times on a radio show, but I had uh, a little button that was a moving button of Pac-Man. And every time you moved that flight bag, he would open his mouth. Pac-Man would open his mouth. And, you know, the old Pac-Man. I remember. Yeah, and, and I had it on both ends of my bag, and I could see that thing, and when I was walking, mm-hmm. it was so funny because you could see Pac-Man just moving right along with the end of the bag, just his mouth opening and closing, <laughs> opening and closing. But, well, uh, my favorite story about flight bags was Dennis Ledbetter, and he made general in the Alabama Reserve or something, and he had a brand-new flight bag flying to uh, – based out of Philadelphia. He was junior or captain. And he got on with his uniform and wanted to ride up there. And I saw he had a brand-new flight bag. I said, Dennis, why are you, you know, we're old. We don't need to get a brand-new flight bag. And he said, well, I do. Look at the name across there. G- Captain General G.G. Dennis. <laughs> Captain General. He, Captain you know, General. I said, Dennis, I said, only you could do that. <laughs> <laughs> he was a character, too. But thank God. Well, I like it. that story that Reaper had in there, and we've read it a couple of times where, you know, Mark Britt, he never opened his flight bag. He never opened it because yeah. everybody was yeah. rushing to help Mark. And they'd all tell him what, what the course was on the outbound from the VOR, yeah. and, you know, and yeah. all that. And he never did have to open his bag when one guy decided they were going to put bricks in it. And you remember that oh. story? They, they put two bricks in there, and, and Mark got to wondering about that. Finally, he opened it up and saw these two bricks, and he knew who had done it. He knew exactly who had done it. And so he goes into the he goes into the bag room in Atlanta and finds the the bags of the, both the engineer and the first officer, and he nails them. He brought a hammer and nail, took everything out of those bags and nailed them to those little slats. Oh, Uh, There's another guy fun to fly with. Oh, God. You know, Mark, I will never forget. 
I asked him, I said, uh, when I first met him here, very senior, and it was on the Electra, too. I was flying the Electra with him. Triple five. I'll never forget flying triple five. Mm -hmm. And we call it triple nickel. Triple nickel. Triple nickel, yeah. And uh, I asked him, I said, uh, uh, do you like the checklist red and so forth? You know, I was asking kind of like what Jim Harris had told me, how some of the captains he didn't know, uh, he, he operated exactly how they wanted it operated. And he says, Neil, he says, just remember this. He says, I run a very loose cockpit, <laughs> a very loose cockpit. <laughs> and then he started talking about sex. He says, to me, it's like putting an oyster in in a in a slot machine in a phone booth. You can't. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> that was Mark Britt. Mark Britt yeah. International Airport. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Stone Mountain. Yeah. yeah. But anyhow, mm -hmm. okay, a well, couple of more questions. This is fun, guys. I think I'm having a good time. Uh yeah, it is. Did you ever refuse to take a passenger, either one of you guys? Yeah, I did. I put I one off the airplane last once. Week. Yeah. You did? These two drunks oh, showed yeah. up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, and Jim actually and one of them came in the cockpit, you know, smelling up, stinking up yeah, there, yeah. and he claimed to be a Eastern Metro captain. And, yeah. uh, and he was going to ride the jump seat, and his friend back there just came in the door and uh, was going to ride a pass. And yeah. I said, neither one of y'all are riding anything. Get the hell off the airplane. And the flight yeah. attendant came up and said, boy, I'm glad you took those guys off because they didn't want to mess with them, you know. That's the only ones I remember that I threw yeah. off the How about airplane. you, Jim Harris? Yeah, I put, a, I put a Canadian off the airplane at LaGuardia. Um, I was a new captain. And the uh, fuelers put too much fuel in the outboard tanks, and so whenever you push back, there was a you know the ramp that's inside it get hot. And 727 was the most heavily loaded airplane on four tires I think there was out there. Well, it went in a low spot, and uh, some fuel went running to the left side to, to the left wing uh, vent there and ran out on the ground. And here's this guy standing in the doorway. And you know what happens if the FA finds out somebody's standing up wherever you're moving? I he said, I went off this airplane. I said, sit down. You're getting off the airplane. So then when we pulled back into the gate, I transferred fuel out of the outboard into the middle one. And uh, now he scared my pastures, so I had to get on the PA. And I said, okay, folks, it's not supposed to happen, but I've seen it too many times. You put too much fuel in the outboard tanks, and it runs out when you get a low spot. It's just like putting too much tea in your teacup. You put too much in, it runs over. I said, I've seen it too many times. Not supposed to happen, but it does. I said, now, as soon as that's, as soon as we get done here, I've transferred fuel. It's not going to happen again. I'm going to walk back through the cabin. Now, if you have any questions all about anything, you stop me and you ask me, I'll give you the straight answer. Whenever that's done, I'm going to close the door, and we're going to Atlanta, Georgia. So nobody said a word. Just closed our door and went to Atlanta. But that guy didn't go with me. He he, then he didn't want to get off the airplane. I said, it'd be a really good idea if you get off this airplane now. What he <laughs> don't know was the guy, the cops up at LaGuardia had boots up their knees, and they like to kick people. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. needless to say, he didn't go any further with me. You scare my pastors, you've committed a sin. Yeah. I got to explain well, it. Well, I got, real real quick, I got three of them. I, I, I uh I kicked uh, the executive vice president of Eastern Airlines off at uh, Denver going to Salt Lake. And I think I told that story last time or time before. And uh, yeah, he, was, mm -hmm. he, he was drunk and the flight attendants couldn't do anything because he was in their way drinking. And so I, I told him, I said, you're going to have to find another way and left him in Denver. He said, you can't do that. I said, yes, I can. And the other the other guy was um, well I almost threw the Fleetwood Mac off because of um, <laughs> they're uh, taking a, a, taking over the first class section of uh, 727 during the Kentucky Derby I was bringing passengers back from the Kentucky Derby and we had the Fleetwood Mac and Harriet Harriet uh, Marietta Hartley on the airplane and. They were throwing cans of beer to each other and opening the uh, the, the booze out of the kits, and they just mm. commandeered the the galley. And I told them, I said, uh, I told the flight attendant, tell them to settle down, or we'd get the uh, 
the uh, police, the airport police, come and remove them off the airplane. They did settle down. And the last one was on the A300. And I, I used to call that A300 operation, that moonlight special, nothing more than cattle, a cattle uh, drive. Cattle you know, except you got, you got human beings. And I found one time I in, in Houston where the, the hub was, the guy was laying down on the floor, and he had a tank top, he had shorts on, and he had flip-flops. And I asked the gate agent, I said, where is he going? And he said, well, he's going out to L.A. Where are you going on your flight? And I said, no, he's not on this one. And so we mm. him at the gate. He was so drunk, I don't even think he remembered. He's probably still there by now. <laughs> but, mm -hmm. uh, those are the three occasions. But, yeah, uh, and I don't know if I'm sure captains do that now. They turn the airplane around these days. You know, they they can keep, get halfway to the destination and somebody – gives them a little the flight attendant's hard time back there then they fly they turn around and go back they don't mess around yeah yeah just happened on united i think going to hawaii yeah 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 they were way out there yeah final question what's the greatest day that you remember you had with eastern airlines with eastern that's an easy one I, I know, know exactly what you're going to say, Jim. I know, Jim, that's right. what you're going to say. Yeah, that's right, exactly. What was it? Yeah, 30 October, 1966, 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, I knew you'd say that. And mine, oh, was, yeah. mine was February the 11th, 1963. Mm. And, Jim Holder, I don't know about you, but uh, that was Well, I greatest. was, you know, I... I I was on the DC-7, and my first flight, the first leg, we made a go-around. I thought that I had somebody screwed up the captain. <laughs> no one like mad, and they gave us a turn to final, and he didn't hear it. And I was scared to say anything because I'm, they tell you, you know, just keep your mouth shut, and the captain will take care of you. And I didn't, and I didn't say anything. Of course, we went through the localizer and had to, couldn't correct back. Had to make a go around. I said, "Oh my first, oh my God, oh man, I'm done." So, and he got in that time, okay. And I didn't say anything. And then he went to Louisville, and he didn't say anything. And he got in there, and then he went to Atlanta, and he landed in Atlanta and didn't say anything. I said, "He was mad at me because I didn't tell him that they called to make that turn back at Indianapolis and." We're walking out there playing. I was captain, captain. You know, I know it's my first trip and everything. And golly, you know, I'm sorry. I should have told you to make that turn. He said, "Oh, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it, man. Gonna we'll be to the bar tonight. I'll buy you a martini." I didn't know it was your first flight. I told him it was my first flight, and so I had my first martini on the airline that night. And I flew all the legs from uh, Atlanta to Texas, Orlando too, which I think was two of them. And I flew with him later, and it was a lot of fun flying with him, too. But I just and, knew he was going to write a bad report on me. Well, but of course that, he that brings up the, another question. And what was the worst day that you remember that, you know, that you can remember that you had with the airline? Oh, that's easy, easy, easy. New Orleans to Dulles going up J, J37. Squall line was about 100 miles long, laying right on it up there around Knoxville somewhere, and everybody was being vectored, turned right and parallel it and get back on J-37, you know, 100 miles later. And this captain, and you you can name, you you probably know who he is. He says, no, I'm going straight ahead. Take, stay on course. Tell him we'll stay on oh, course. Boy. They said, well, can't be doing all that. And, uh, and the second officer was back there buckling up, and I was buckling up, and and uh, I said, this is this is terrible, you know. And we went into that thing at 29,000 feet. He'd never go higher than 29,000. And we went in that thing, and it knocked the hell out of us. And I mean hell, H-E-L-L -L with H-A-A-I-L. <laughs> and uh, he no. popped the speed brakes <laughs> doing 350 or something and made a screaming-ass hard right turn and shot out the side of that thing. And I looked at him, and he was drenching wet with sweat. And uh, you know who I'm talking about. I'm yeah, sure I know who you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, I don't think he, he would never go up to 20, above 29. So if you flew L.A., you never had to worry about him because you couldn't get to L.A. at 29,000. Did, did well, he you know, have a son that flew with the airlines? 
Huh? Did he oh, have a talking, son that flew with us? No, he's I'm talking about a different one. I know who he's talking about. Robert. Jimmy his Crawford. His Robert. Bob. No, Crawford. Jimmy Crawford. Yeah. Crawford. Yeah. Jimmy, Jim Jimmy Crawford. Crawford. Yeah. Now, Jimmy's his son. No, this was his dad, and he would yeah, he Crawford, would never go yeah. above 29, and, but that well, meant he didn't you. go I to thought, L.A. I thought that's who you was talking about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I thought you were talking about Bob Bruce, but uh, at any oh, rate, Crawford. Bruce. No, he'd have, he'd have turned around and gone back. Ricochet <laughs> Rabbit, yeah. Ricochet yeah, Rabbit. Shaky right. Bob. That was Shaky oh, Bob. No. Shaky Bob, uh, right. No, it, he'd have never gone in there. I don't know what he'd have done. It's probably been something. But Crawford said, uh, you know, he didn't turn around. And, and I went in to the chief pilot's office the next day and told him what happened. I think it was Bill Wynn was sitting in for the chief pilot. And he said, we know, we know, we know he flies through these thunderstorms. And, uh, but he always seems to get through them okay. And I said, well, he didn't know this one. It, we, it, we, we made a 90-degree right turn and popped out of that thing. And, of course, the poor little second officer back there is about to die. And I was, too. And uh, yeah. Crawford was drenching wet with sweat, and we, and I bet you, I never flew with him again after that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go fly with. Well, we had that one guy, Jim Holder, uh, Jim Harris. I think uh, he got off in Seattle and said, "You can find another first officer. I ain't going back with you." Uh, was that who was that? I'm trying. It was. With I, I don't Crawford. know. It was with Crawford. I don't think they'd gone through okay. some he weather. Fly, he couldn't fly out there. Now, he, he'd go at 29. You couldn't make it. You know. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was somewhere that the guy said, you know, I'm not going back with you. you with Jimmy uh, Crawford? <laughs> yeah, with Jim Crawford, yeah. I never flew with him again. I wouldn't fly with I, him again. I never I did never fly flew with him the first time. Yeah. Yeah. He he made it to 60 somehow. I'll tell you what he did one night. Uh, we were going from Atlanta, to Kennedy to Atlanta, and a bit, hardly nobody on the airplane. And we pushed away from the gate. And uh, flight attendant, you know, they tug was pushing. She came running up there and says, Captain, this guy is sitting back here in the dark. Uh, it coach was almost empty, and he's over on the window seat. And uh, I told him to fasten the seat belt. And he said, no, you come over here and fasten it for me. And she said, listen, I'm not kidding. Fasten your seat belt. And he said, well, I'm not kidding either. So she came flying up to the cockpit and told Jimmy Crawford that, and he told Coranda me, he said, tell the, call the company, tell them we're pushing back. We're coming back to the gate. I want police come throw this guy off the airplane. Five minutes later, he was off the airplane, and he was screaming and cussing and hollering, you know, as he went through the door with two big cops pulling him out. So Jimmy Crawford did good that night. Yeah. And, uh, I just see an area code 519 pop up on my screen. Who's that, Renee or Brenda? Uh, it's Renee. I I got in late to the show, but I I got the end of it anyway. <laughs> okay, Renee. Yeah, I, uh, I I'm sure you had a few notorious guys that came into uh, Toronto that you you uh, probably didn't want to see uh, that person on yeah. the trip. There were several. Uh, I I tell you, there are two guys. Uh, JD, I mean. Uh, uh, John uh, John Witted, not many people like yeah. to see John Witted come in because he oh, yeah. he checked that weight chart and he'd give it back to the agent and he he said it's wrong, figured it out, refigured yeah. it, and he wouldn't tell him where That's they were it. wrong. Remember that Jim Holder and Jim Harris? Yes, I do. I do. Yes, yes. JB Witted, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I got a quick guy to be such a pain. Yeah. I got a quickie on him. I flew a turn a turnaround from Atlanta to Houston and back. This was Hobby, and back to uh, Atlanta. And he told him, "I'm not legal to go." And they said, "Yes, you are, Captain. You go and you you take care of the flight attendants, and we'll take care of the flying." That's what crew schedule told him. So we came out there, and he said, "We're gonna have a problem in Houston." I said, "Why?" And he said, "Well, I'm illegal to fly back." And I said, well, "What did you know? Date and twenty? It was some reason he was illegal." And so we went out there, and uh, he got off the airplane and went in and sat down in operations. I did, too. And and uh, everybody was just, you know, deplane, bags on, bags off, that kind of stuff. And But he never got up, didn't sign a flight plan or anything. We just sitting there, and I said, this is going to be interesting. And about 15 minutes before departure, they said, Captain, we're ready. We're getting ready to go. He said, uh, you better call crew schedule. I said, I can't. I'm about flying the airplane back. 
And they said, what? You know, we, we, what? what's going on? So they called crew schedule and told him that the captain said he can't do it. He's about three minutes uh, over eight and whatever it was. He was right. He, he couldn't. Most guys would just go and forget about it. And he yeah. sat there. And they had to be playing all those passes and find somebody else. And we did hit it home later on that evening. Oh, that wasn't wow. a good idea to do it. I mean, that, uh, that was that was with it, though, you know. Yeah. He would, he'd, some way to piss off the company, he'd do it. Well, I think it was up in Toronto that we had a problem with the uh, agent, and uh, not the, the agent didn't have a problem with us. It was JB had a problem with the agent, and and just gave him the form back, and the guy was almost ready to cry, you know. But um, <laughs> and they just didn't like him. Well, one time we went up there, and everything was perfect. I mean, perfect. I guess all the agents figured, uh-oh, here comes J.B. Witted, Captain Witted. we got to get everything mm. right, you know. And uh, mm. But when we pushed back, pushed back on time, everything was right. J.B. called operations, and he says, I want to congratulate you guys. You did a wonderful job. And, and I later talked to one of those guys downstairs. And they took their headset off, or the speaker or whatever shook it, and they, they didn't. They didn't think it was the same guy. <laughs> yeah. Compl- complimenting. Right. But, yeah. uh, those were the days. Good show, guys. It's God, it, it was so good. Yeah. It yeah. was so much fun. Yeah. We can talk all yeah. day. But all day long. I'm going to let Hop Harrigan put us on the ground here. So, Hop, is all your airplane, and we'll see you guys next week.